to Making the Brand, the podcast where marketing and pop culture collide. I'm your host, Brianne Fleming. I can't wait to chat about brands, boy bands, and everything in between, because brands who have a pulse on pop culture can create adoring fans of their own. Thank you guys for joining another episode of the Making the Brand podcast. Today, I'm joined by my Twitter friend, Anthony Yepes. Thanks for being here, Anthony. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Of course. We're going to talk all about social, but also with an athletic and particularly a basketball twist, which I'm excited about. I kind of come from a basketball family, so I know a little bit about it, but I know you (laughs) know a lot more, so I'm excited to dive into it. Yeah, it should be fun. Yeah. So first, could you just introduce yourself? Tell us about your background and your past work experience. And just we'll get into basketball a little later, too. Yeah, for sure. So as mentioned, uh, my name is Anthony Yepes. I'm based out of New York City. Um, For the past four years, I was the director of social at Spartan Race, the global um, obstacle course racing yeah. lifestyle agent, uh, company. Um, And before that, I was at a uh, entertainment a marketing agency called Cogent, where I got a chance to work a lot of cool events, work with some celebrities and athletes and some big brands. So super fun experience there. Um, just very active within the social you know, media uh, community on Twitter and LinkedIn, and just always advocating for you know what we do as, as social professionals. And I feel like uh, this year was our chance to kind of be heard, you know, with all the attention around social and you know, building communities and just, you know, connecting with people, um, you know, with everything that's going on. So, um, yeah, just, you know, less, left Spartan about a month and a half ago just to see what else was out there and, you know, yeah. take on my, my, the next chapter of, of my career. And I'm super excited for what's to come. Yeah. So are you trying to stay in athletics? Because this seems like something you're really passionate about. Um, not about limiting it to just sport. Um, or fitness, you know, I, from the agency world and some things I did before that, I, I touched a lot of different agencies, a lot of different industries. So um, mm-hmm. I'm exercising and, and open to anything that's really fitting where I am now in my career and mm-hmm. you know, anything where that has a, a great purpose and, and helping change lives and just really doing some great things in the world. Um, I'm super excited for, you know, an opportunity to join this kind of teams. Yeah, that's what it's all about. Love it. So let's get into your history with basketball, though. Mm-hmm. Maybe we have to go way back. I'm sure it's something you've loved maybe most of, of your life. Yeah. I'd love to just talk about, you know, how you fell in love with the sport, who your favorite teams were, who did you idolize, all of that. This is fun. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I am not your typical basketball fan or player. I didn't grow up like actually playing on teams, you know, but, um, you know, my cousin, um, he phenomenal basketball growing up and him and I spent a lot of time together up in Washington Heights in in New York. And, you know, I got a chance to, you know, be on the court and watch him play and watch him kind of be, you know, the street ball player that he grew up to be. Everyone called him Penny Hardaway, you know, Back in the day, you know, he's one of the, one of those players that a lot of people looked up to. So he got that coined that nickname, and um, so you know, my love for the for the game kind of started there. You know, watching a family member who was really great at the sport and you know, ended up going to a great high school, Rice, and then um, or St. Francis in college, and then overseas to play professionally, and now is coaching break to build basketball, you know, training program here in New York. So 
it was kind of like in, in my family, you know, and being mm-hmm. a part of it. And, you know, you grow up, you know, as a Knicks fan and, you know, back Patrick Ewing and Starks and, you know, that whole Anthony Mason, you know, you're, you're into the whole go New York, go New York, go the whole thing, <laughs> you know, but then you're, you're, you're watching Jordan and you're seeing all these great Indiana Pacers and Reggie Miller and the choking. And, you know, you, you grow up in the in a great era of, of basketball and it's hard not to be a fan, you know, even as right. a young kid at that time. And, you know, basketball is so influential in, in culture and, and a lot of things that it touches. So um, it was just something for me that it was it was a great conversation piece within the family. And, you know, we had someone that was deeply involved and it was just it was a part of the culture being, you know, someone from the tri-state New York area. Um, but more so on top of not only basketball, also big baseball fan and football and just sports in general, for sure. Yeah, I relate to that so much because. I grew up in the house with an older brother. It was just the mm-hmm. two of us and basketball was his thing. Uh, still is. He's actually a high school coach now and he just, he does it cause he loves it, lives it, breathes it. Yeah. So I just kind of got exposed to that growing up, you know, all the video games and the trading yeah. cards and, you know, he watched every game. We were a heat household. So nice. yeah, it was just fun to to grow up with that and experience that. And I always say it, it's funny now that you know we're not kids anymore and we don't live together. I feel like I'm not keeping up with it as much. If you if you ask me some things about the '90s when it comes to basketball, I I can recall it better than what's going on today. So I I kind of miss that. So I'm glad that you're here to get me up to speed on things. Yeah, I'll do my best. <laughs> <laughs> so you brought up a great point. We're going to discuss kind of the intersection between basketball and influencing today and some of these young athletes, how they're coming up and being uh, kind of molded as influencers, which is right. a, it still seems like such a new concept to me, especially when we think about how basketball used to be. So before we get into how that is going down today and, and all of the exciting things with basketball influencers, I'd like to go down memory lane and just talk about before social media how athletes really exercise their influence. I mean, we didn't really call them influencers the same way we do today, yeah. but without a doubt, they were influential. So can you paint a picture, take us back of what life was like before social media? Yeah, I think a lot of it was based on, you know, traditional media and the media that was available, you know, before social really you know, came to the forefront, you know, so your, your television and, you know, radio and just your, you know, guerrilla marketing and billboard ads and things like that. So, you know, you typically saw that superstar player called Jordan or whoever else on front of a Wheaties box or, mm-hmm. you know, in a commercial or on a billboard somewhere, you know, and then eventually when, you know, Sports Center and ESPN really came out um, and started to influence the, the media landscape, you know, that was the way that you became aware of who the best players in the world were, whether it was basketball or soccer or any other sport, you know? So, you know, once television really, you know, grew, um, that's when we started to kind of learn more about who these athletes are and, and kind of learn more about their stories and develop those deep connections with them outside of them being great at the sport that they're, um, that they're great at. And then, you know, I think with, with the rise of social media and how, you know, traditional media turned into digital, um, you know, a lot of these athletes got the opportunity to, you know, leverage, you know, Instagram when it came around and, you know, in the very beginning and kind of just jump on early and, and connect with their fans and, 
you know, really take advantage of, of what social media was built for. Um, and it's been really, really cool to see how you know, the athletes that really have adopted social media the right way, um, you know, have really grown their personal brand outside of just being an athlete, um, mm -hmm. but also, you know, entrepreneur, business person, husband, wife, or whatever the case may be. So um, it's been a really cool transition from traditional to digital. Um, and I think there's a lot of things happening now where, you know, it's not just professional athletes that you're being exposed to because of yeah. social media. You know, there's high school and college athletes and even non-traditional sport athletes that because of social, you know, they're becoming um, more of household names and, and kind of developing their, their own communities and, and audiences. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there's such a powerful conversation there, just how these athletes can use social media and, and use their their highlight reel, put it on YouTube and oh, yeah. really just get discovered because of it. It's like the power is in their hands. They don't have to wait for scouts to come to their game. Yep. They can take proactive steps to get noticed. So. Yeah. I mean, you'll, you'll see, and I think we'll, we'll jump into a little bit more, you know, it could be someone just having fun at a, you know, a, how hard you can throw a baseball thing mm -hmm. at a car, at a carnival. And because of social media and because of a lot of these accounts that are out there, I mean, I think we've all heard about the one kid that got a, a baseball deal out of it. You know, he got a tryout and the next thing you know, he gets signed by a team because, you know, I think he threw like 96, you know, from one of those carnival things and or, yeah. or you know, a trick shot, basketball, golfer or whatever. You know, there's so many opportunities that are coming from social for athletes now that it's it's really incredible. Yeah. And the way that information just travels in an instant, it's like your life can change immediately. Oh, yeah. You never know who's going to call you the next day. <laughs> so um, you briefly mentioned Jordan. Who are some of the other athletes traditionally that you feel like were the most influential before social media? Yeah. I mean, Jordan obviously is a big name. And then, you know, you have your your baseball athletes like the Ken Griffey's of the world and mm -hmm. the cheaters and everybody, um, you know, hockey side, I would say, you know, your Wayne Gretzky is a, a huge name. You typically compare or connect his name with Jordan then, you know, mm -hmm. and kind of move that across. Um, you know, I, I think those were some of the pioneers as far as like, you know, when you saw marketing of an athlete, yeah. you know, those were some of the big names that would always stick out, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because you say those names and they're obviously, they're the goats of their, of their sports. Right. Yeah. And I think what, social media has done is it's given a platform even for some of those maybe second string athletes, right? There's only so much screen time traditionally that they would reserve for Michael Jordan or, you know, the best of the best. Right. But now that everyone has a channel, I imagine it's created this wave of micro influencers in the sports community as well. You don't have to be the superstar like Mike was, right. uh, you can build your own audience and, and people are interested in that as well. Absolutely. I, I'm interested in learning how you would describe the difference between a celebrity and an influencer. And I feel like with athletes as well, the lines there are <laughs> even more blurred. Yeah. Uh, blurred. So, um, you know, there's no right answer to this. I just love asking people th this question because I think there's so many different ways of looking at it. Yeah, it's a really good question because you know I think for a long time the term influencer and celebrity has been like mashed together. You mm -hmm. know, you think oh they're they're both one and the same, and I think maybe not so much because a celebrity, you know, they're they're known on a global scale. You know, mm -hmm. they can't walk down the street without being seen. Like LeBron is 
a celebrity, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and is he influential? Hundred percent. You know, um, yeah. but should that always be used in the same context? Maybe not. You know, because an mm-hmm. influencer could also be, you know, a local person. You know, a mom blogger or right. just a person, a high school, you know, student. Mm-hmm. Um, that just utilizes social media the right way and has people follow him or her for specific reasons that's valuable to that audience, you know? And so, you know, those terms of micro influencer and, you know, macro influencer, mega influencer, all these different ways in terms have come out because, yeah, I mean, you can make influences on different scales and mm-hmm. different levels. It doesn't always have to be at that you know, set bar of a million followers plus makes you a A-list celebrity follow, uh, influencer, you know, it's right. just, so I feel like more and more, you know, those terms are being kind of, you know, separated and identified for, you know, what really a celebrity is. You're in the public spotlight all the time, not just on social media, it has to do with just your everyday life and what you do in your profession. So again, like, you know, um, LeBron or even Dwayne Johnson and, yeah. you know, Serena Williams and a lot of those athletes, like those are celebrities, you, right. they're world renowned. Um, and then, you know, you have your influencers are more <laughs> like Logan Paul and, you know, knocking out Nate Robinson. And now he's <laughs> even more of an influencer and celebrity in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but people that are, are more so utilized for their social media abilities of, of drawing attention towards another brand or a product. And mm-hmm. I think that's probably more where the influencer side of things are for social media. Um, but it, like you said, it is a little blurred because, you know, technically speaking, you can have influence. So then technically that makes you an influencer, right? So right. It, it all depends on, on the context and, and of how are you using the attention that you can, you can get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think it was Time Magazine that actually named LeBron the most influential person of the year. He's definitely right. used his following, his platform. And I think if you asked him, he would probably just say he's an athlete, yeah. you know, but he's an athlete that has come with this massive fame, massive influence. And yeah, it's great to see how he, for one, has, has used that for such a, a great cause. And so many athletes are just starting these important conversations and using their platforms for good. Yeah. And I think that's the interesting part of like, there's another category that should probably be started or talked about, which is, you know, having kind of like, like social, like social influence, but not Mm. social media influence, like societal influence. Yeah. You know, so I think that's another thing where when you say, well, that person's an influencer, they can help make change. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's it's time that we think of a, a different phrase because influencer has so many different levels to it, you know, societal you know, something, (laughs) right. There's there's an opportunity there for new word. Yeah. And I I agree with that because also with the term influencer, we think of products, you know, we see like in the bachelorette universe, they're, they're always selling, you know, hair gummies and they're not athletes obviously, but they're selling products like beauty products or whatever it might be. I think it's refreshing to use that term in a context where it's about just influencing change and not purchases. Exactly. Um, you mentioned a brand I had never heard of, so I'm looking forward to learning about it uh, called Overtime. Yes, I did. Um, yeah, you said they're kind of changing, changing the, the landscape for young athletes and molding them into influencers. So could you tell me first what Overtime is? 
Yeah. So over time, you know, from, from my knowledge and then being a fan of the brand, um, you know, they're a, a media company based here in New York um, where they really focus on the lifestyle and the culture of, of basketball, um, mm -hmm. you know, and they definitely tap into other sports as well. Um, but the way that I grew to know them was in the basketball space and mm -hmm. particularly in, in youth basketball, high school at the high school level um, where they were, they have done an amazing job at really bringing that culture and lifestyle to life um, and through social content and through speaking in the language of that audience. And, you know, I think we all know how powerful that generation is, you know, mm -hmm. call it 13 to 17 year olds who, you know, live off of their phones and live on social media. And they're the spark of, you know, what goes viral and what starts to trend in, in our world of social media. So I think they had a very strong understanding or they have a very strong understanding of the power, you know, of those of that demographic and the athletes that are, you know, within that space. So, you know, they they take in, I think, sport to the next level, sports media to the, to the next level, because now, you know, you didn't come across a superstar high school athlete really until later in their in their career maybe their senior year where they played in in a big you know all-star game that was televised televised on espn mm -hmm. or if they played at a very big program in california or florida or, or something like that or texas yeah. and they got a chance to have one of their games broadcasted but outside of that you didn't really hear about them you know because mm -hmm. obviously the the major networks they have to focus on the professional athletes you know that's yeah. where a lot of their big deals are but you know with over time, you're, you're starting to learn about these high school athletes from even the freshman level. You know, Mikey Williams is one guy that stands out and they've gone through so many other athletes, you know, a couple guys here in New York too, and, and female athletes, they, you know, they definitely go on both sides and they've done a phenomenal job to bring the attention to these athletes. And, you know, myself being, you know, into sports and I also do sports photography on the side and working a lot with local high schools um, in the Queens, New York area, you know, I know how important that is for those athletes to have that chance to be seen, you know, on a major stage and, and having content that you can post on social and, you know, and, and even having your name or your video clip be posted by an overtime or a bleacher report or any of those, you know, sports brands, it's, it's huge for you in the recruiting process, you know, mm -hmm. and a lot of these high schools don't have the means to, you know, create that content and create those opportunities, you know, for these, for these young student athletes. Okay. So I think what overtime is doing is absolutely phenomenal. And there's also max preps and there's, you know, bleacher and there's a few other, you know, sports media companies out there, but overtime has really set the standard um, for really focusing on culture and also uplifting the awareness of these athletes. And I think it's, it's going to also set the next stage of, how influential, back to that word, <laughs> you know, young athletes can be. Um, obviously, I don't, I don't think they can take deals like they can now in college with, you know, what was passed. But now they're kind of setting themselves up for building their own brand. You know, if right. you look at some of these athletes that over time features, like Mikey Williams, millions upon millions of followers already mm -hmm. going into his sophomore year. I think he's in his sophomore year now, high school. So setting the stage in the future for these for these young athletes at this level is an absolute game changer, not only for the athletes that they're already working with, but for future athletes to come. 
Yeah. And I think it's, it still seems relatively new. I mean, even yeah. 10 years ago, this is not how young athletes got noticed. You kind of would just play your best on the court or on the field, whatever, and just yeah. hope someone calls you. But now it sounds like you can take matters into your own hands. And I think even looking at it from what my brother does as a coach, you know, I think he's still navigating how to coach his, his, his players mm-hmm. through that. What, what should they be doing to help yeah. them in their future aside from just showing up to practice yeah. and playing their best. But, you know, do you have someone that cuts your videos for you? Are you active on X, Y, and Z platforms? What, what is it that you can do personally to help you get noticed? So, so that's, that's actually the flip side of, you know, the benefit of, of, you know, what overtime and other companies have done. Mm-hmm. So now, you know, other athletes are starting to think about that. And, and, you know, athletic directors are, are, are taking these, these learnings and saying, all right, wow, I, I really need to invest or have the school invest into the future of these athletes because yeah. we're not getting televised. You know, we don't have, you know, our local news media coming here. We don't have ESPN coming here, but we have really good athletes that have a chance to go to D1 program, get scholarships. If they just, if we just invested a little bit into that media coverage. So um, yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's another benefit of, of the overtimes of the world. They've, they've, they've sparked those conversations to happen at the local level. So is it more of a platform that's kind of, kind of like a megaphone for athletes where they're resharing clips or is it, yeah. Is it also more social where you go, the athletes can go on there and make a profile? Is it, does it work no, like that? It, it's okay. more, no, it's, it's more of like showcasing, you know, top athletes and, and mm-hmm. great, and, um, you know, great talent. Um, and then also, you know, going into storytelling of, you know, who these athletes are for mm-hmm. sure. And they're, they also take in, you know, user submitted content, you know, UGC and, and they repost like highlights and yeah. the big dunks and big plays and things like that. And they actually, Another great thing that they do is they they build an internal team of content creators and they send them out, you know, to these to these events, you know, before COVID, obviously, but they send them out to, you know, games and you know they have their content creators create content around people that are making noise mm-hmm. um, in the space. And I think they even have their own like mini basketball court at their office and they bring wow. people in and they <laughs> they shoot content stuff there. So it's they really have a very strong grasp on how to inject lifestyle, pop culture, everything into their marketing plan um, that serves a purpose and which is you know, bringing more exposure to, to young athletes. Yeah, especially now, I think one of the biggest heartbreaks for me of the pandemic was March Madness being canceled, uh, the Olympics being canceled, oh, yeah. all of these athletes put, put so much work into this moment. Yeah. And I think it doesn't excuse it, it doesn't really help it too much, but having that social presence is a little bit of something they could have fallen back on without playing those games or having the Olympics or whatever it it might be. So, um, so what are your thoughts just on young athletes as influencers though? I guess in the traditional sense, I know there's been a lot of conversation about the ethics of college athletes getting paid for, endorsement deals and making money off them and should that go to the university or should it go to them personally there's just all this chatter about that so as we start to see more young athletes being influential what are your opinions on that 
How does it get sticky? <laughs> yeah, I think it's, it is also a little tricky because, you know, we're, we're asking now, you know, anywhere from 14 to 17 year old kids, let's be yeah. real, they are still kids to kind of grow up a little bit faster and realize that, you know, you are kind of influencing millions of people because mm -hmm. of, of social media. So, you know, now you got to really watch what you do and you kind of have to lead by example and be a good example for, you know, those that those followers of yours, um, mm -hmm. which is not easy. And it's also a lot of pressure. And I know right now, you know, we speak a lot about, you know, mental health and all that stuff. And so now it's all those factors are starting to play in at a much younger age because, because these kids definitely have a big influence within their own world. So mm -hmm. um, I think in that aspect, it, 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 it's definitely a little, a little tricky and a little sticky because, you know, it's, it's easy to be young and, and fall into, you know, a trap or whatever you want to call it and, and yeah. do something bad. Um, but hopefully if you have a, a great support system, you know, you find yourself avoiding those things. Yeah. It's, it's so dissimilar to what we were told when we were in, in high school, you know, mm -hmm. it was just always like, you know, don't put anything on Facebook that you wouldn't want your colleges to see. But right. at the same time, they want colleges to see their content, <laughs> but they're still trying to be human so it's like finding that balance and i agree it's like asking them to grow up a little faster like be professional but also be a kid exactly you know? so it's like you know you think about how music is so close to a lot of sport culture right and mm -hmm. there's so many cultural trends that come from music i mean i think tiktok is one of the biggest benefit benefactors from it mm -hmm. you know so a lot of the music is very provocative and a lot of it is very yeah. vulgar and you know as a as a high school athlete you want to be on your IG stories or your TikTok doing the dances and having the music in the background, but that also could be a negative side. You know, mm -hmm. there could be something wrong said in that particular track and it could be taken the wrong way. And because of the influence you have, you know, it might look, have a negative mark on your, on your brand. So, mm -hmm. you know, as a, as a kid, that's hard to think of, you know, now yeah. I'm an influencer. Now I got to think about that song that I want to put as my track when I'm doing this, this TikTok trend, like, Mm -hmm. So it's a lot of pressure and then you have to go to class and you have to get good grades and then <laughs> you got to go to practice. You got to do chores at home. So it's, right. it's a lot. Yeah. I, it made me think of one of my favorite Stephen Covey quotes. He always says, the main thing is to keep the main thing, the main thing. And I think That's if great. your main thing, yeah, I, I like had to think about it for a sec. <laughs> um, I think if your main thing is basketball, you want to get recruited, you want to get to that next level, then niche down, you know, like yeah. keep that the main thing of, of your platform, you know, still have fun. And I think that's why throwaway content like stories and everything is so great, but yeah, there could be some permanent piece of content that might paint them in a light that isn't, exactly. as, as, uh, that isn't too great. So what else would you say over time is doing well? You mentioned that they really paint a great culture, um, when it comes to basketball and that they've, they even incorporate pop culture into things. So yeah. what are some things that you think they're doing well with their content strategy? Yeah, I think what they're doing on the kind of episodic content side is phenomenal, you know, mm -hmm. telling great stories and, you know, diving into, you know, who these athletes are, or even teams that they sort of do some team documentaries. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so I think their, their long form content strategy is definitely a, a playbook that, a lot of brands can can pull a page out of and, and see how 
you know, long form content done the right way um, with some great storytelling and topics and themes, you know, can really help drive your brand because it really, you know, connects your audience and it gives you a lot of content to play with. When you break that down into micro content and you spread it out, you know, across your content calendar for social. So, yeah, they do a phenomenal job there. And, and a lot of people think that, you know, oh, I need this humongous production team. Um, you don't, it helps if you do. And if you have the budget, great, but I yeah. believe they have one main, you know, shooter, um, videographer who also does the editing for a lot of their long pieces. And there's definitely some support that he has too, but, um, all it takes is you documenting, you know, Gary V speaks about it a lot, you know, yeah. don't try to always create just document, you know, document there's a lot of, mm -hmm. yeah, there's a lot of opportunity in, in your daily life. So if you just document what you have going on. You can definitely, you know, break that out. So I think they, they definitely do a good job in that in that mindset of long form is, you know, the new wave of, of creating content. Yeah, it's, it's like adding another spectator in the audience sitting on the bleachers, except now it's on it's on social media. Yeah, I'd be curious what the makeup of their audience is, because, again, you have the young players, but. I imagine a lot of people watching these videos are the coaches, are the recruiters, are oh, yeah. some of those other adults. So I bet it's such a, a mixed bag. Um, what is, I guess, the tone of their feed like? Does it feel like they're catering toward the younger audience? Does it take maybe more of a professional, maybe like a 30 for 30 type of storytelling angle? Or is mm -hmm. it more lighthearted? How do they balance that? I don't know for a fact. I'm just kind of guessing of what their audience might be like, and that it's probably a mixed bag. Um, yeah. I mean, I think they, they definitely know who they're speaking to, um, mm -hmm. which I think is a super important for any brand. You know, when you're creating content on social, you know, you want to, you want to be relatable, um, but you also want to be very authentic, you know, mm -hmm. and you want to jump into pop culture, but if it doesn't, if it doesn't fit your brand, then, you know, you should really take a hard thing about it. But for, mm -hmm. in this particular case, over time, like, you know, they've, they're in the culture, they're in the lifestyle, you know? Um, so they can, they can speak that language and it's accepted by their audience because they know everyone that works at the company and, you know, the content that they make represents that culture. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like I said before, I think that's super important for just social in general and just brands who are making content. Like you should really understand what culture you're, you're a part of mm -hmm. and, and, be true to your culture because there's a humongous audience, a very captive audience that's waiting for you to kind of, you know, provide them with great content. So if you do that the right way and, you know, you actually are providing value and you're being real to yourself, the audience is going to appreciate that and they're going to gravitate towards you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So what platform are they on primarily? Are they just all over the place? Are they mostly on TikTok? I'll have to follow them. <laughs> yeah, they're definitely on TikTok. Um, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and they're on all the major platforms. I, I engage with the brand more so on, on Instagram. Um, mm -hmm. Their YouTube channel is great too. You know, obviously yeah. a lot of all the long form stuff is there. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I would say Instagram is definitely one of their most active and, and popular channels. Mm -hmm. I feel like I work at overtime and I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I'm a fan of, of a brand of any brand that just really executes social very well. And I think, mm -hmm. That's exactly what they do. They know their audience. They have a great plan. They stick to it. They stay in their lane. And that's mm -hmm. why they're one of the best top sport media brands on, on, yeah. on social. I mean, you can't deny that. 
Yeah. And they're based in New York where you are. So maybe, I don't know, well, maybe home, they should home call you. Pride. Yeah, they should call. <laughs> I've actually, I, I've been speaking with that team a little bit, Brandon and a few other people. They're, they're uh-huh. very nice people and um, they got a great thing going on there. You know, it's definitely, yeah. definitely a cool place. Awesome. Well, uh, what trends do you think they're setting on and off social media? Cause I'm, I know you mentioned that you think they're, they're molding the next few decades and they're guiding this recruitment process and just leading the way when it comes to young athletes. So how mm-hmm. would you describe what they're doing both on and off social media to change, change the future of this? Yeah. I mean, I think off social media and we kind of touched on it before, you know, they're, they're, they're bringing the culture together. Um, you know, in person, in real life too, you know, so some of those areas that they have either at their office or in other locations where they're able to bring, you know, these athletes together and cross, I believe it was this one, you know, young football um, star and a basketball star that they brought together. So they're crossing over with other sports and, Mm -hmm. you know, they're bringing, you know, other types of um, influential people together with these athletes. So they're, I think they're doing a great job off the course, you know, exposing athletes to different verticals and, and different industries. Um, but in a way where it's, it's all about that culture, right? Again, mm-hmm. it's, when we look at basketball, basketball culture touches fashion, it touches music, it touches yeah. a lot of things. So um, I think they do a phenomenal job with that often on the court. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely something any brand could take away from. I think yeah. focusing on culture versus just your products and the stuff that you sell the more that you can make it more about the overall culture and the people and how we all yeah. interact. Everything's going to be better off. Absolutely. Well, awesome. I'd like to close. Maybe if you could share some advice, if there's a young athlete listening to this, what, what do you recommend as, just as far as how they could take matters into their own hands? What should they be doing on social media and as they're thinking about their personal brand, because some of them might not be thinking about that. They've got yeah. a lot going on. They've got to show up at practice. They've got school, SATs, college, all Everything. that stuff. So what advice would you give to a young athlete that doesn't really have a presence, but knows that they should? Yeah, I think the best thing I can say is if you, know, if you really want to have a future um, in sports and if you want a chance to be seen and you know, get a scholarship or go to a great college and, you know, for progress your career, um, learn about creating content, learn about social media outside of, you know, what everyone sees, which is, you know, making cool stuff and dancing and, you know, and, and being part of that, that, that side of it, but learn about photography, learn about shooting video. And if you can't do that yourself, because obviously you have a lot going on, mm-hmm. then, you know, there's a good chance someone in your, in your circle does. You know, mm-hmm. um, cameras are not expensive nowadays and everyone has a cell phone and your cell phone can be your, your professional camera now, you know, so, um, find someone that you know and trust that can, you know, come to your games and come to your practice or, you know, can work with you on making content and, you know, try to really showcase the work that you're putting in, you know, showcase your, you know, the result of that work on the course or the court or wherever you're, the ball field. Um, and, and also show a little bit about your personality and your background and, and tell your story. I think the more you can learn about storytelling and capturing content and doc- documenting your life, um, the better chance you have of being seen and, and kind of grabbing the attention of, you know, the potential college that you want to go to and, and having that recruiter learn about you. Because something that I've learned along the way is that, you know, talent 
is definitely super important, but you know, work ethic and personality, um, it, it helps add to the complete package. And a lot of recruiters and colleges really look for that. They want, they want the complete package, you know, as much as they possibly can. And I think you want to have that for yourself. You want to, you want to be super valuable. So yeah, find that person in your circle and, and have a good time just making content and, and, and get it out there. Yeah. I think that's such good advice, especially in sports. I mean, there are so many people that play sports, but what can you do to differentiate yourself? It, and it's probably, it probably has nothing to do with your game. It's going to come down to your personality yeah. and how you could be a cultural fit and why you're the right person versus why you're just the right player. Exactly. And I wish, I wish I had that epiphany when I was in high school where I realized <laughs> that, you know, your, your personal brand is your resume. And mm -hmm. I was just working on things and things that I was proud of, but I only had this eight and a half by 11 PDF to speak for it when I could have been more proactive about it. So I think don't wait for opportunities to fall in your lap, do things that are going to get that attention by just documenting what you're already doing, as you mentioned. So absolutely. Well, awesome. Any, any final thoughts about overtime, about athletes, about social, anything you want to close out with? No, I would say, you know, I, I kind of tweet a, a lot about this, you know, people ask me, Hey, like what, what's the most important part about social media? And I think, you know, it's very important to say that just know your audience, know, know your lane, know where you fit and always think about who you're, who you're providing content for. Just think about their needs, their interests, their pain points, um, and focus your content around that and, and really listen to your audience. And the more you do that, more chance you have at being successful in social media. Awesome. Well, Anthony, I don't think you're going to be a free agent for long because you're, <laughs> you're blowing my mind with this stuff and I'm excited for this new chapter for you. And thank you. I can't thank you enough for, for sharing all of these insights and just bringing more sports content to the podcast. Cause I'm there usually in the music <laughs> lane. So I always love talking about sports. So I appreciate it. No, thank you so much. It's been an absolute blast. Awesome. And I'll have uh, your social links linked um, follow Anthony Yepes on Twitter. That's his handle, right? Pretty straightforward. Yep. So thank you so much. Thank you. If you're a fan of this podcast, be sure to subscribe or better yet, leave a review. You can also join my Twitter chat at hashtag pop chat for weekly pop culture discussions you can actually learn from. If you have an idea for an episode, shoot me a DM at Brianne2K. As always, thanks for listening.